My Mac Podcast number 248. This week, David Cohen, Guy Searle, and me, Tim Robertson. Enjoy. You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. And I am Tim Robertson, and I've got Guy Sherrill. He's on a, a USB headset mic. Yeah, because I'm just having all kinds of fun audio problems. Yeah, it happens sometimes. I mean, what are you going to do? It's uh, it's it doesn't sound too bad, honestly. Well, I mean, is it uh, is it as clear as it was with the other mic? It sounds a little bit more nasally, if anything. Oh. Yeah, but different tone. No. It's a it's a different tone, but you know, honestly. Um, with the interference that we get sometimes, even during the show, when we think the problem has been licked, uh, I would <laughs> rather you sound a little more nasally and clear than that buzzing noise we get occasionally, which is really annoying. Yes. And David Cohen. Hello, hello. Rocking the 3G connection? Yes, I am. I'm I'm away from home tonight, and uh, they, there is Wi-Fi in the hotel, but it's uh, it doesn't really have the bandwidth for what we need to do. So, yeah, I've got the 3G modem going. It's holding up pretty well. And what about the microphone you were talking about earlier? The microphone's uh, an MXL, uh, so that's from Marshall. It's um, a, it's actually a desktop conferencing mic, so it's kind of a little flat flat guy that sits on the desk um, and, and is omnidirectional. Uh, so it's just sat on the desk in front of me next to the computer. But it's nice. It's USB and it has a headphone jack in the back, so you can plug headphones into monitor, and uh, it's pretty good. Sweet. You faded in and out a little bit there. It sounded like a network congestion, but we'll move on because we don't care and the listeners don't <laughs> care. And So, you know, last week we didn't mention it at all, but Steve Jobs returned to work and it made all the news channels. And I'm sitting there thinking, uh, didn't he say he was going to return to work at the end of June? Yeah, well, yeah pretty well, much. Why is this news? Um, just because anything Steve Jobs does is news, it seems. You know, I was listening to NPR's technology podcast because obviously I don't get to listen to NPR as often as I would like. So I catch up on some of the shows that I enjoy in NPR via podcast. And usually their technology stuff, they focus on uh, not necessarily computers and the stuff that we talk about on this show, but rather, you know, technology is a very broad sense of the word uh, irrigation and stuff like that. Although they did have a really cool story this week about. Farmers using an iPhone app to check the irrigation of their apple orchard or something. That would be appropriate. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But one of the segments, and it was a shorter segment, was about Steve Jobs returning to work. And in the report, which was less than two minutes, the reporter said, and Apple is one of the companies that everyone agrees that the health of Steve Jobs, or Apple's, Apple's continued success depends on the health of Steve Jobs. And I thought, well, you know what, maybe to a certain extent, but that's kind of insulting to everyone who works in that company, don't you think? I think that it's more along the lines of, of the, the healthiness of the stock price might depend on, on Steve Jobs, at least in the short term. It, it sure didn't the last six months, did it, David? No, it didn't. And uh, I think that 
that belief that um, Apple's success depends on Steve Jobs is a, is a view of analysts and Wall Street. I don't think it's a view of anybody in the real world. Uh, and absolutely, you know, they've had yeah, the best Yeah, but when they six- reported on NPR and other news stations that it is dependent on that, I mean, they make that assumption a reality, don't they? Well, they, they, they're just reflecting a view. Uh, you know, they're, they're taking their sources from what people are saying in the Wall Street Journal. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think, look at the mess that Wall Street's in at yeah, the moment. Yeah, the bastions and I think of we could, ethical behavior there. Exactly. I think we can, <laughs> yeah. all, we can all agree that, that Wall Street is a very insular and self-absorbed and inward-facing place and isn't, doesn't necessarily reflect the real world. Certainly, if you look, you know, you look at the performance of Apple over the last six months while he's been off and you look at how um, their product line has improved and uh, people have been, you know, in a very very tough market have still been flocking to the Apple Apple Store, and they've launched a let's face it, a, what was an incremental upgrade to one of their flagship products, which is the iPhone 3G to the 3GS, uh, and yet it's been, it's been their most successful they iPhone saw, launch yeah, ever. They sold over a million so, in, a, in a week. Exactly. I mean, so you know that to, to me, this does not this does not say that there is there are millions of people around the world who are hanging on, you know, the health of Steve Jobs as as. as you know what drives their their Apple buying decisions. I just don't see it. So I, I just don't think that view is is necessarily real. Well, I think uh, most of the people that that believe that Apple's success is entirely dependent on uh, Steve Jobs would be Microsoft fanboys. Maybe, maybe. Speaking of yeah. fanboys, we've got a lot of listeners of the show, and uh, obviously we really appreciate you guys. We've done two of the listener invites up to now. We've got another one in a couple more weeks. Uh, or next week. Well, next week we have Lee Givens. And Lee was is an occasional co-host, but it's been a really long time since Lee's been on the show. I'm, I'm sorry, Lee who? Lee, yeah, somebody like that. <laughs> and yeah. so we got Lee coming on, and I don't really count that as a listener invite, because even though he listens to the show, um, he, he's a some sometimes contributor. So I, I'm not lumping that in with the listener invite. But we do have uh, quite a few listeners coming on the show uh, over the next few months. In fact, <laughs> we're booked all the way through September at this point. Holy cow. Yep. yep. So the next uh, available slot we have open would be in October. Now, I don't want to discourage anybody who's thought about it but hasn't contacted us yet. Because yeah, there's always the chance that somebody could drop out. Well, that, uh... well, because, yeah, nobody knows what they're going to be doing in October or November. But these slots are filling up pretty quick, and we, we would like to do the listener invite every other show or so uh like the odd number shows is when we'll do the listener invite and so if you want to be on the show and hang out with us for say an hour and just talk mac and have a good time send us an email feedback at mymac.com and we would love to get you on the show yep sure would. it's I, I think it's really fun uh i i've enjoyed the two that we've done so far and i'm quite sure we're going to Enjoy the ones we've got coming up. And it's not just Americans. So far, it's been people here in the continental United States. Well, there's a good reason for that, though, too. You know, well, I because mean, of the uh, time difference. Right, right. Not, not everybody can be as strong as David Cohen. <laughs> We're staying up all late. and Yeah. yeah. Well, we've got people got- from Glasgow, Scotland coming on. Um, Which is actually where I am tonight. And so that's kind of, yeah. well, you know, we should just get a hold of that person right now and say, go over to your hotel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of people are coming on, and I would definitely like to make it more of an international flavor. So 
you know, if your English isn't the best, don't worry about it. Um, Neither is ours. Yeah, especially mine. <laughs> it's it's just hanging out with a bunch of Mac guys just like you, sharing your passions. So, again, feedback at MyMac.com if you'd like to be on the show. Uh, let's talk about a, a little bit of what's going on up at the website right now. i got to bring it up because, you know, I didn't have it up when I said that. Oh, Since well. our last show, and last show was uh, the listener invite number two with Dan Rodriguez. If you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. I'm still jealous about the audio equipment Dan was using. Oh, man, really that, sound, that sounded so sweet. I did a review of the EOS wireless iPod speakers. Um, great concept. Unfortunately, it, it really didn't come across. By the way, guy, the, the email you sent two hours ago just showed up. Oh, okay. Just so you know. All right, good. It's a great concept. You dock your iPhone or your iPod. It's built for iPod, so if you put your iPhone on there, it says, this wasn't made for the iPhone, blah, 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 blah. But you can still use it as a music player. And it will play not only in the docking station itself music, but you can wirelessly send your music to remote speakers, up to four remote speakers. Sounds like a great idea. Is that something that would be interesting to you, Guy? Uh, I, I'm not really sure. You know, uh, everybody's music taste here in the house is so diverse that that it would be hard to find music that we could all listen to. Um, I would be probably more interested in a product like that if it was also uh, video, but that's a whole different that's a whole different market. Oh, absolutely! Because then you got to have monitors in every room, and that, that becomes an expensive proposition. Yeah. What do you think, David? Wireless music anywhere in the house? I'd, I'd actually be all over this because I, I'm always moving around the house with a set of speakers and an iPod Nano plugged into them. Yeah. Because basically, you know, when I'm doing, you know, if, if I'm cleaning up or I'm I'm doing something with the, you know, tidying up in the baby's room or I'm doing some washing up or something like that, I always want to be listening to podcasts. And so, you know, I, I actually have sets of speakers all over my house that I'm constantly plugging my iPod into as I move around. So, you know, actually being able to take, take just a, a single wireless speaker and move that around with me would be just right for me but uh, I, I noticed from from you you said the quality was was okay but it could be better yeah the, so, the, the uh, audio quality just for me wasn't there um yeah. you know I, I i'm not a super stickler when it comes to low-end gear on sound quality i think if anybody's going to spend less than 100 bucks for a pair of speakers sound quality probably isn't the you know most important factor right but portability these, yeah but these are 249 dollars. you get the base and one wireless speaker so at that price point it i do expect a little bit better audio quality uh, just simply comparing it to um what was it uh the, 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 the i'm looking on the website right now i did the uh with mark rudd i did the review of the jbl soundstage 400p now that had simply fantastic audio quality, and it was and the same price, same too, price. Wasn't it? But it wasn't wireless. You didn't have the extra speaker. But if it's just, I, I want to put a sound system in the kitchen or in the bedroom or the den or wherever. Plug my iPhone or iPod into it and just listen to music. That is a much better solution. However, if audio quality isn't, you know the big thing to you. You would just like to have some music out on the rear deck while you're barbecuing. I don't know. I think the EOS wireless iPod speakers is probably a, a, a good solution. And for 249 yeah, you get the bass and one speaker. Yeah, the only thing that, that kind of puts me a little bit off this, really, I mean, for, for my use, because it's mostly or spoken word I'm listening to, I could, you know, I could probably live with the quality. Yes. But 
the uh, difficulty I would have is this, this wireless speaker needs to be plugged into the mains. It doesn't have a battery. No, and, and that was a problem as well. That's a, that's a shame because, you know, having something wireless for me means getting rid of all the wires, not just one. Yes, I <laughs> yeah. totally agree with you. And not, not having battery power for these, and obviously it would probably suck down the batteries pretty quick, being a, a wireless receiver as well as playing music. I would rather have that option than not have the option. You know, Griffin does a, a wireless solution, which uh, the wireless speaker actually docks to the main speaker and charges. Hmm. So the same kind of concept, but it does have the chargeable battery. And, and to me, I, I would gladly, if I was buying something like this, I would gladly pay the extra, you know, $20, $30 on for each of the wireless speakers if they had a battery and, uh, and were chargeable like that. So I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. Um, originally, I forgot that it actually shipped with one speaker. One you know remote speaker, and for two forty nine, I was thinking, okay, you get the base station for two forty nine, then you have to buy the speakers extra, and so I only gave it a three out of five. And then the uh, the nice PR lady who I let see the review before it went live said, no, you get one wireless speaker. So I I bumped it up a half a point, and I think that's fair because this is not by any stretch of the imagination a, a four out of five product. So. You can check out that review. Uh, what else do we got going on at my Mac? Something from Artie. Yeah, he did a, a book review of mastering the Nikon D700, a camera that looks really great. I wish I had one, but I don't. <laughs> no. mm-hmm. That's and, how I am. And your brother, Guy Cyril, Larry. he did a uh, easy VHS to DVD for Mac review, and I really like how he started the review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that said, the last thing I want to say... It could have uh, gone very, yeah. very badly. He, he wanted to like the product, but... And I think that's definitely worth checking out. Uh, he had some problems with it. Fair uh, score. And, uh, I, you know, yeah. we don't want to review stuff that's only four or five out of fives. Because the people that are listening to the show and the people who read the website, they don't consider just the products we happen to review high. They look at a lot of different products. And we have to give our honest opinion even when the PR companies don't like it, on, you know, how good this product is. And, and the thing, the yeah, this, exactly. But the thing is, is that, you know, Larry has really comprehensively talked about exactly what he experienced. So, you know, when you see the score at the end, you understand exactly where he's coming from. Sure. Uh, and if, you know, some of these things aren't problems for you, then then you can't even have, you have all the information there to, to make that decision. Yep. Well, one thing to remember about Larry is that, you know, unlike, you know, most of the people that, that we all know, he is a true technical writer. You know, it, it has been his career. So he really knows how to lay it out well. That's true. Yep. Um, up on the blog side, and by the time most people listen to this, it might have dropped down a little bit. I've got a couple really good links. The first one I want to talk about is Fake Steve Jobs on the Google OS. Let's all take a deep breath and get some perspective. <laughs> that is a brilliant article, and I hope everyone listening to this goes and reads it because Fake Steve Jobs is back and back with a vengeance. It's a it's so funny. Uh, did you guys read yeah, that? I I I picked it up, and um, you know I, I've I kind of felt felt the Fake Steve Jobs thing had kind of had its day because when everyone found out who the guy really was, 
um, you know, I thought maybe that's enough, really. And then he stopped for a while. And then when he came back recently, I, I was I was seeing a few of the things. And I was thinking, oh, he maybe he's lost his edge. Yep. But I have to say, he really hit the ball out of the park with this one. Absolutely. Talk about absolutely deconstructing something in you know in a very amusing and funny way. But actually, the the things he's saying, I think, are completely on the money and a really really great read. I agree. Did you read a guy? No, I have not read it. Shame you, on me. You, you have to read it. It is really, really funny. It's uh, well. Let's talk about the Google OS for a minute. Have are you familiar with what's going on with the Google OS guy? Uh, somewhat. Yeah, I, I know that uh, Google has announced it. I, I haven't seen anything beyond written PR. Well, it's just, it's, it's vaporware at this point. Although they right. are saying, um, I think they said October. Or is it next year? No, it was next year. And it's basically for the netbook computers. It's not really for laptops or desktops. It's for netbooks. And everything lives more on the network rather than on your computer. Well, and that, then, yeah, that, to me, that's it, where it, it kind of starts to fail is that you know if you have this however many hundreds of dollars that you've spent on a device – and you can pretty much only use it when it's connected to the net. That kind of limits you as far as its usability goes, doesn't it? Go ahead. I, I, You're I, not always yeah, going to be I'd, online. I I completely agree with you. I think what Google are trying to do here when they launch Google Chrome, the uh, browser, um, they you that, know that's the idea based on was, WebKit, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But they they, they took it. They, the idea was they were going to take it back to the basics. They wanted to do a very lightweight, very fast browser that was optimized for their uh, online applications. Um, and they, they they did. And you know, I use Google Chrome a little bit on the PC every now and again, and it's okay. Um, I, you know, it's not as fully it's not as fully featured as Firefox or Safari. Um, and some of that is deliberate, and some of that is because they just haven't had time to do some of it, you know. But it, it's fine as far as it goes, uh, and it does work very, very well with uh, with Google Mail and, and with all their other applications. Now, uh, this this uh, Google OS is kind of the same concept, but taken to an operating system level rather than a browser. So effectively, it will be a full Linux-based install that would be, do very little except connect you to the Internet. Uh, using presumably it will be a Chrome-like browser, right? Um, and but, but yeah, but the, exactly, and and obviously people are. I, I don't think Google have specifically said they're aiming it at netbooks. They're just saying, well, this is the concept. It's going to be very quick to boot, um, you know, instant on, instant connections to the network, and off you go. But the problem is, is that um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't see. People saying, uh, "Well, what's?" People aren't saying, "Well, I can't connect to the internet properly with the operating system I have on my computers today." Whether it be a netbook, I'm, this this thing about netbooks needing to have something different kind of annoys me because I've I have I have a netbook. I've I've used several different models of netbook, and you know what? Every single one of them will run everything that you can buy today. They'll run Windows Seven. They'll run Windows XP. They'll run Windows Vista badly, but that's Vista's problem. That's nothing to do with the hardware of those. And they'll even run OS X, and I've, I've proved that myself by actually having that running. So I don't see the value to us as consumers from uh, getting something that's that's less functional and more limited than the operating systems that we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I'm not seeing a compelling argument apart from this quick boot-up time, which... Uh, is, for me, it's not a problem. If you've got sleep mode on a laptop, then you've got quick boost up. So I, I just, I just, I'm not not getting where they're coming from here. I'm really wondering whether they've kind of they're starting to lose the plot. 
Well, I think that one of the things that fake Steve says in his article is who the hell is in charge over there at Google? Yeah. And that, yeah, it's great that they give, you know, 20% of their employees the time just to dream up crap. But some of the stuff that they dream up, you got to say no to. I don't. Exactly. Does anybody want. Or at least as far as putting it out. Exactly. Does anybody want an OS that force feeds advertisement to you? Because you know that's what this is going to be. Yeah. It's not going to be a loss leader for them. I can guarantee you that. Well, and, that, and that's and you know they haven't really said with with even even with most of their applications on how they plan on monetizing it. And and let's face it, Google isn't in this for charity. You know, well, they, Google is an advertising company. Right. Let's get that straight. Google sells ads. That's what their business model is. So all the apps that they offer for free, including Gmail and the calendaring and the word processing and all that stuff, including their search engine. Is all based around advertising. Yeah, go up to the Google Gmail page because I'm sure that most people listening to this has a free Google account. And what's at the very top? An ad. And what's the ad based on? Your email. The content in your email. And I, a lot of people are starting to have some issues with that. They don't want, even if it is a dumb program that's just you know kind of looking at the text and saying, "Hey, here's an ad that matches that." A lot of people don't really like that targeting advertising. They feel like it's kind of a intrusive. Intrusive. And I don't know if targeted advertising necessarily works. If someone's listening to this show, they're obviously going to be into Macintosh. But would it really benefit Apple to, to be an advertiser on the show where we say, hey, go to apple.com and buy a Macintosh every single week? Well, everybody listening to this already has a Macintosh, number one. Um, but the people listening to this is probably more interested in the stuff that goes along with the Macintosh. So it's not... It's the apps. Yeah. Well, it's the apps. It's the hardware. It's a, Maybe it's an extra monitor or you want to do a podcast yourself and you're thinking about microphones. Those are the kind of companies that would benefit for... And it's and that is somewhat targeting, but it's targeting the demographic. <coughs> but it's not targeting what people have in their email. And And, and I know a lot of people have a problem with that. Yeah, it's it's you know I you, look you can't you can't knock them for trying to innovate and and trying to do some different things and trying to diversify their business model. I'm just you it know maybe to me like they're, they're trying just to trying to go after Microsoft. Well, that that is the real risk, I think. You know, Microsoft for years has been obsessed with competing with Google and um, has constantly tried to come up with ways to kind of play in their turf. Now, I think it will be a big, big mistake for Google to try and start responding to that to, to go back at Microsoft. I think that, you know, what they do, they do very well, um, but I think they need to, you know, look very hard about what, what they're doing. And, and I suspect, you know, I mean, the, the kind of this, you know, build it in your own time and then we'll push it out as a beta for five years and, and wait until everyone's using it and then it'll be all great. That model was fine when they had only a few things, but actually now they're product line out. if you can call it that is is becoming too it's too broad it's too wide and it's it's becoming very difficult to actually keep track of what is what 
you know the the names change every few every few weeks and it's very it's very becoming as a, a for me as a consumer of some of this stuff it's becoming very difficult for me to understand what some of the differences are between some of these things and what's live and what's in beta and what's real and what isn't and and i i think they're really running the risk with with some of this stuff of of really kind of diluting what their offering is and people not really understanding what they do and that's you know that's compare it to apple as an example i know they're they're working in completely different spaces but you know this is what apple did in the late 90s they had hundreds and hundreds of different products that were all marginally different from each other at different price points and it was very very confusing and and actually people stopped buying macs because they they didn't really know which one to buy and i think google's in that position now that they've got too much of an offering and people are going to go well you know all of that google stuff is too confusing for me so i'm going to go and use something else instead so i think they need to kind of focus and and you know tie it down bring it back and keep it simple and and perhaps not start trying to do all of this different stuff well i I don't really have a problem with 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 google creating another os you know as as far as i'm concerned it's it's been pretty much apple and and microsoft's playground for the last you know 25 years and to have somebody new come in and maybe try something different isn't necessarily a bad thing i just think that uh Based on the the very little bit that we know, and, and let's be clear here, we really don't know what Google plans to do with the Chrome OS. Um, if it's strictly going to be network applications, then it's it's not going to it's not going to work in the portable market. At least not until there's you know instant on network connectivity wherever you go. And we're not really there yet without a lot of help from secondary partners like AT&T and Sprint who basically own the uh, the networks. You know, the, the networks. Yeah. Now, I know that they had the the FCC had auctioned off, I think, the, the 700 megahertz range. Yeah, television. Spectrum. Yeah. So there's been some talk of, you know, maybe converting that Especially for the people that are, you know, out out in the rural sticks. area, something rural you, you, need, you need a a, Some, a yeah, spectrum that will go way. through a wall easily. Will travel right. miles and miles without a repeater, without a loss of signal much, and it's a perfect spectrum for that. And right. you're right now, when, but once, once the problem with that, that is we can't have one or two companies in control of that spectrum. Well, we no, can't. I would agree with that. I would because it, it it needs to be opened up for for basically whatever providers can can provide the service. So you know we'll kind of have to wait and see on that. But as far as having a a, a net OS un, until there's something like that available, it's not really meant, as far as I can tell, for the mobile market without partnering up with one of the major cell providers. You know, there was a company called Sun, and this is also in that article, and they tried to do the same thing. Net computers were, you know, that was, what, 99, 2000, 2001? Yeah. So they they said the network is the computer. Yeah, and it never worked out. But there's a difference between the the, the market then and the market now. Is there? there? Do you think speeds are ready for you to start video editing over the network? Well, again, we we really don't have any idea uh, how far Google plans on on taking a a, a net OS or or I think your, they're if even way that is what they this. plan on doing. I, I think that they have no idea what it really means to to create and maintain an OS. 
I mean, this isn't yeah. something like Gmail that you can release and and just kind of let it sit static until you decide to take the, the beta moniker off of it. This is something that has to be updated all the time. Yeah. Uh, and with it being a net OS, what about viruses? What about malware? I mean, there's a lot of risk in this. And uh, I think they open themselves up to a lot of liability. If, if the entire OS, you can't use this computer unless you're on the network and using their services. If something happens, I think that that opens themselves up to a lot of liability. There's just a lot to this that I don't think that the people at Google have really thought through. Um, no, I, I, I mean look at look at some of the difficulties Microsoft has had over the years. When the, when they added internet connectivity to Windows ninety five, yeah, um, you know when Bill Gates had his epiphany that that the internet was real. Um, <laughs> You know, they, they had, they've, they've been through all of this. They did not have the support mechanisms they had today. They couldn't do remote updates. Um, they couldn't keep track of the malware and the viruses. And, you know, they, they went through an awful lot of pain, and, and all their users suffered. I mean, with, with a Google OS, if, if you've got a, a cheap netbook and you're having problems, well, does that mean it's a problem with the network or your local connectivity or a problem at Google's end or a problem on your PC? And how are they going to, you know, how, how are they going to support that and fix that and figure that out? Because they're not geared, to, geared up to do that sort of support at the moment. Their support is very, very hands-off and, you know, well, you know, it's in beta, so uh, we'll fix it when we get around to it. And that's just not going to be good enough. I well, think- we have to, I mean, we have to remember that, that you know, yet again, we, we really don't know exactly what Google plans to do with this. Now, they, they may choose a a kind of combined solution where your apps do live and you know and some of your information do live within your computer well it's linux i mean you know they could build pretty much anything if it's sure. if it's linux based but i mean and the, the moment app- you go online any updates are automatically done any you know any changes that yeah. you've made to your your documents that are mostly kept on the cloud are are, are downloaded and updated throughout you know, however many devices you have. Yeah, There's lots of different directions they could take this in. The question is going to be, you know, where are they going to go with it? So, you know, I, I, just, I just don't think that with a company that's as big and as, as you know, has such deep pockets as Google that we, we really need to poo-poo what, you know, the, the effort before we really know the direction that they plan well, to take. Yeah, I th- that's I, kind I of think our mandate, a- actually, Guy. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a f- that's a fair comment, guy. You know, you're absolutely right. We don't want to write it off before we've seen the real deal. But the problem is, is that you know, Google's had a big media splash about this, and yet they've not really said what it's going to be or how it's going to work. Yeah, they they've so, opened you know, this up to interpretation on our end. So speculation yep. and interpretation, and you know, the information they have given us so far, it kind of just leaves us a bit nonplussed. What I'm really struggling with, and is is really how. You know what advantage this gives you over just running a browser in Linux or Windows or OS ten. Um, well, I to would me, say I this. See the difference. I, I can in this. Um, number one, I think that this would always be a, a secondary computer. Um, I don't think it competes with MacBooks or VIOs or anything like that. I think it competes with the iPhone. That's number one. Number two, I don't think that. The people who are going to buy it initially are going to care whether it's local or what. What they're going to care about is the price of the device. 
And if Google builds this and gives it away free to the device manufacturers, the Dells and the HPs and stuff, the EPCs, right. they can actually lower the price of these netbooks and sell a lot more of them. I think that's pretty much the big benefit, and that's what Google's yeah, seeing. You know, what's how, do, how, do you, how do you monetize that? Do you monetize that through, well, yeah. I was going to say, either uh, through mean, advertising or through... Again, remember what Google is. Online connection is going to come through. Right, but remember what AT and T or Sprint or whoever. Remember what AT and T or I'm sorry, what Google is. They are an advertising company. They're not a search engine company. They're not a Gmail company. They are an advertising company. That's how they make all their revenue. Well, that's how they make all their revenue right now. But let's go back to the year 2000. Apple was a computer company. They still are. Then they and then they came out with the iPod, and then they came out with the iPhone. Both so of which there, there are is, mini computers. There is a president. There is a president. Well, y- yes and no. But if if you're if you went to talk to the average Joe Schmo Joe Schmo and said, "Is an iPod a computer? Is a iPhone a computer?" and they would kind of look at you like like, "No, they're not. One's a cell phone and one's a media player." But if Regardless you go to the, fact, the same people and say, "What's Google?" they're going to say it's a search engine company. Right. Right. But they don't realize that Google is actually an advertising company. But there's there's no reason why, depending on the direction that, that Google's gonna take this, that, that this couldn't be very successful. And there's no reason why wow. the false is with you. What what the heck was that, David? I don't know. Wow, that was something, that something was, just popped up on my screen. Sorry about that. That was <laughs> I was going to say, it sounded like Darth Vader on acid. It, it stopped right at the point where I was getting ready to knock you off the call. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> wow. I think we beat this into the ground as much as we can until we get more information from Google. So let's go ahead and move on a little bit. Um, I got an email today, today being Thursday. So when I, you know, most people, when they listen to this, it's today isn't the today I'm talking about. Uh, and I thought it was kind of cool. He asked me if uh, he could send me some product, and I could do a review on it. And usually I kick that over to John Nemirovsky because he's the reviews editor at MyMac.com. And, uh, but I just kind of looked at the product, and it was apparel. So I checked out his website, and he's selling oh, yeah. shirts and hats and looks like skateboard stickers and stuff like that. It's called Mac Skull. What he did is he took the Apple logo, and he kind of combined it with uh, the Marvel Comics, The Punisher with the, the skull and yeah. cross. Well, it's not a crossbone. It's just a skull. With that logo, and he, he made him one logo, and I put a picture of it up on the blog site at MyMac.com. I actually think it's quite clever. It is. And hopefully hopefully he won't be sued for it because it is it is very cool looking. I just wish they had it in uh, some bigger sizes. Well, email them. Maybe they can. I mean, you know, I, I doubt if he's printed out, you know, 5,000 of these shirts and is tr- selling them that way. He probably prints per order. That would be my guess. Yeah. Well, the, the problem for me is as far as like hoodies and T-shirts and those things go is isn't so much the, the shoulder width because I can, I can, you know, easily fit it's into the length. It. It's the length, right? Yeah. I can easily fit into a double XL or even a triple XL. It's you know, it gets washed once well, or one or two times, and suddenly it looks like a like one of those uh, shirts that Madonna would wear. With well, the belly I was just going to say, I, Who the hell wants that? We, we we need to bring back that style from the '80s, the half shirt, and then you're all set, guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Just just what people need to see is my big hairy belly. But I thought that this was pretty cool, so I go. I went ahead and, and I put a blog post up on it. I didn't charge them a- any advertising or anything. And well, I also I mean, uh, sent a Twitter out there about it, too. 
And uh, so I sent him a, an email back and I said, hey, this is pretty cool. I don't really know how we would do a product review on apparel. I mean, you know, it's it, you either like the design or you don't. I don't, you know, you can't really do a review on that. Although no. I know there's a whole industry who does reviews on apparel, but I'm not one of them. And I said, but I did put make a blog post and I Twittered it. And so the guy went ahead and cr- actually created a Twitter account after I Twittered it. And uh, he said, hey, thanks. I want to send you a shirt. So I said, oh, okay. You can send me a shirt. But yeah, uh, I'm that's, sending one too. that's not why I did it. I just I thought it was really kind of cool. And I like creativity like that, David. I like it when someone does something unexpected and something I haven't seen before. And it's edgy. And I like that. Right, and this, yeah. is, this is a unique product in that he can be sued by both Apple and Marvel Comics. <laughs> That that that's my only concern, really. I mean, it, it's it's it is very edgy, and and it's got that whole, you know, kind of underground vibe going on. You know, the the skates they've got the skateboard and all that sort of thing. But you know, I do have to wonder, you know, if this if if this grows beyond a certain level, whether whether they're going to get some cease and desist letters on this. I would imagine because uh, Apple is very aggressive about defending the the tr- their trademark, and and you know, they obviously. He's kind of stuck something on top of the apple, but it, you know, the the angle of the leaf and the bite out of the apple is is. It's an apple logo, on. no question. Yeah, and and, and you know, I, I just, my, I'm worried because I, I I think you know he 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 just wants to do something that's cool and um, you know is is arty and edgy and creative and all that sort of thing. But right. I, I just can't help worrying that the the lawyers are going to get involved at some point. If it goes well, high that, enough, that an apple. Said, yeah. That being said, that uh, you know everyone who's listening to this podcast should go to. MaxSkull.com as soon as you can if you're interested at all <laughs> and, and buy, buy now. something because it may <laughs> yeah. not be there in a couple of weeks. Yeah, when you listen to the show, it might not be there anymore. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. It's, and that's an actual skateboard that he's selling. It's, it's is, not it just, a, is it a skateboard? Yeah, it's an actual skateboard. Wow. A black skateboard with, with the Max Skull on it. I, it I looks, just went and looked at the apparel. Looks, I wasn't interested in the skateboard. The only time looks, I've ever tried a pitching. skateboard is when I ki- almost killed myself, so I, I stayed away from them. Uh, I used to skateboard all the time. And uh, Liana Lahu did a video for an iPhone Steadicam. I thought that was really clever. She did a video of it, and uh, I saw it up on Facebook because I'm friends with uh, her on Facebook. Well, I'm friends with her in real life, but... Um, I just thought it was really clever, so I posted the video up at MyMac.com. And I I don't know, though. I, I've seen a couple announcements now for camcorder type of stands for the iPhone. Uh, David, do you think there's a market for <laughs> a, a tripod or a steady cam for the iPhone? I mean, yeah, it does video, but... Well, I, I, I mean, the thing is, the video function on the, the 3GS is very, very good. Everyone I've shown video I've shot with have been incredibly impressed by the kind of footage you get out of the phone. Um, obviously, you know, an, an, an iPhone is a, is a very portable device, and uh, but one of the one of the problems you have when you're shooting video is because it's so light, it's very it's very easy to make really shaky, shaky footage, yeah. and that's fine if you're going for that like you know NYPD blue kind of uh, style but you know if you're looking for something that's uh, a bit more static than that then you are going to need to uh, mount the device in something you know fairly stable and so you know i i how whether whether these products will ever be anything more than niche products for just a few people who are really serious about video videography or whether you know there'll be something that, that lots of people buy i don't know but um i i certainly you know i i, I can imagine if you're doing quite a lot of video with with the iphone then 
it would probably be worth investing a few dollars in in something like this. You got an I iPhone? Heard Google's coming out with the uh, the Chrome Steadicam. <laughs> Chrome Steadicam. <laughs> yeah, and it lives in the clouds. Yeah, <laughs> it's not an actual Steadicam. No, just... it's actual clouds. <laughs> yeah, you throw it up in the air. I, I I think it's clever. You know, she had a need for something and she made it herself. And I uh, I respect that. I like it when people do stuff like that. And you know, if I can help promote uh, a person who's who's doing something really, really cool like that, I'm more than happy to. Um, she's got a lot of stuff going on. She kind of disappeared for a while there. Yeah, she but, was ill, wasn't she? Well, she's still ill. Um, she started a MyLifeEverAfter.com website, and it's basically um, about her living with AIDS. Uh, we had talked about, and had, when we had her on the show a while back, um, that, you know, she had got sick, and... When we saw her in San Francisco, and I don't think that you were there that night, Guy, uh, I no. Prong's fifth anniversary party. No, I was there for a little bit, but I wasn't feeling well. That's right. And uh, I, I actually finally got to meet her in person after you know communicating via email and Facebook and stuff like that. And she was really tiny. I mean, she, I, I was kind of worried about her. She looks a lot healthier now, and she seems to be much more active on the Internet, and that's always a good thing. But check out MyLifeEverAfter.com. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, and, of course, we wish her all the best. If you're on Twitter and you want to follow us, I am Twitter.com slash MyMac. David Cohen? I'm David B. Cohen. And Guy Searle? I am the Mac Parrot. The Mac Parrot. Well, actually, just Mac Parrot. Not well. I am. I guess I am the Mac Parrot, but it's just Mac Parrot. <clears throat> you know, guys, I'm, I have... I'm, this this is the weirdest problem, and I think that my time machine is messed up. Um, and when I say time machine, it's it's the time machine backup, but it's the one terabyte time machine with a built-in networking with and built, all that. Yeah, built-in airport. What happened was we lost power briefly a couple nights ago, and I mean it was just for a second. But all my gear is hooked up to battery backup, so it, nothing went down. The problem I'm having now is. It's showing that it's online, and if I'm hardwired into it, I can get on the net. But no mobile device. It shows that the Wi-Fi is running, and you could, you know, you could join that Wi-Fi network, but you can't go anywhere. It's like my time machine became a black hole. You think maybe you got zapped? Yeah, I'm. I'm starting to think that. Did it happen because of a thunderstorm? Well, I. I there was no storm that night, so either it was a power surge or a temporary, you know, glitch in the power grid. But whatever the case, it looks like my time machine is now shot. And it's still working as a backup hardware. Go ahead, David. I was going to say, have you thought about cracking it open and taking the drive out and running some repair on it? Well, no, the drive itself isn't the yes. problem. Right. It's, it's the networking aspect of right. it. Right, okay. Because it's still backing up uh, in time machine mode. So the drive's okay in it, but... I don't know. It's it, and it's letting me get on the net through the iMac, but that's directly connected to it. So I don't know. It's it's really puzzling. If anybody has any ideas, feedback at mymac.com. I'd appreciate it. If, so none I've, of the, I've none tried of the laptops everything. working at all. Uh, no, none of the laptops are able to get on the net through the time machine. Now I hooked up my old Airport Express or Airport Extreme, the the last model of the flying saucer thing. Right. And that works great. You can get out on the net that way. It's not as fast. It's not, you know, G, but it works. Or it's not a N, but it works. 
But this was, you know, not not an inexpensive inexpensive piece of hardware. No, it's not. And uh, I'm kind of worried that I'm going to have to replace it at this point. And that's kind of sucks. No, I think it's got the one year warranty, and that would have ran out about two months ago. Mm. But I'm thinking about taking it up to an Apple store, setting yeah. it down on the counter, and saying, you know, explain this is a black hole. I can use it as a time machine, and I can see my the other computers on the network. But as far as getting out anywhere, it won't let me. And I've reset it. I've completely, I actually completely erased the hard drive in it too, just thinking, well, maybe that'll help. That didn't help. I set it to factory restore. I downgraded the firmware on it. I upgraded the firmware on it. I've done pretty much everything you could possibly imagine. It's just not working right. So, have you sacrificed a chicken to the god? <laughs> yes, I did actually. It didn't oh, work. Good. It didn't work either. Man, it is. It is hosed. It's hosed. But it got me thinking because that's my time machine backup. If that goes bad, I just have to you know grab another FireWire. External FireWire hard drive, plug that and start using that as my um, time machine backup. But don't you also don't your uh, your kids and your wife have their MacBooks backed up to it as well? Yeah, they do, and that's where the problem comes in. And yeah. I was thinking, you know, what's my solution if this thing goes down for their backup? The only solution really is uh, to buy some inexpensive FireWire hard drives or USB hard drives. And just have them kind of on standby. So if that goes down, I can just simply plug it into their machines and do a backup. And I think that's what I'm going to uh, end up doing. And Well, who could you possibly go to? <laughs> what an ad, huh? What an advertisement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Otherworld Computing, just go to maxsales.com and you can pick Love up a really inexpensive but very durable external hard drive. And that's actually what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at their OWC Express drives. I can get just the enclosure for 20 bucks, and I have actually have some uh, hard drives sitting around that I might be able to use. Yeah, those are for, what, two-and-a-half-inch drives? Two-and-a-half-inch drives, yep. And uh, I, I might do that because, you know, 20 bucks for an enclosure that I can just kind of take around wherever I need it and plug it into a Mac, that's kind of the way to go. Um, but if you want to get a hard drive with it, I mean, they have them fairly cheap. You're talking less than 150 bucks for a solution that's going to have enough storage space to back up all the laptops that you may have to back up. For me, it's it's three different laptops. Because I don't back up, honestly, the one in the kitchen, my MacBook Pro. Um, I keep it very lean and mean. And any work that I do on it, I automatically send over to the iMac so it gets backed up there. And and that's because the hard drive in that machine has been flaky for a long time, as you well know, Guy. Yeah. So I don't keep anything important on it. it if anything, that's more of a netbook computer for me. But I, I want now, the 15-inch screen. Aren't you going to replace the, the hard drive in that MacBook Pro? Yeah, but you know what? I'm probably just going to replace the entire MacBook Pro. It's the first-generation MacBook Pro. It's starting to show its age a little bit. Um, What's well, what, a 2 gigahertz? 2 gigahertz. But yeah, duo? It, it's, it, or is it Core 2 Duo? Uh, core, no, it's just a Core Duo. Um, okay. I, I still like the machine though. It, it's there's nothing wrong with it, and I'm looking at the new machines, and they're they are significantly faster. So I'm starting to think it might be time just to simply buy one of the brand new MacBook Pros. And what I'm really looking at is the battery life, David. They're just awesome. Yeah, I, I'm, I've got a uh, 13 inch uh, the the base 13 inch one here, uh, and um, we, oh, we you, were talking. You bought a new MacBook Pro. The yeah, I, I was um, basically I was going through an airport a couple of weeks ago, and they had the brand new models in there uh, tax free. 
So that was oh. uh, quite a substantial saving. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to going to buy one of these and uh, and trade up to it. So so I did. And yeah, I I got on the train this morning to come up to Glasgow, and um, so that's a three and a half hour journey. And I was using the laptop pretty hard the whole way through, and they had Wi-Fi in the train as well, so the Wi-Fi was on. Um, and um, so I was working all the way up here, and when I arrived here in Glasgow, uh, the thing still had about two and a half hours of battery left in it. Wow. So, um, you know, I'm easily getting between five and six hours without even thinking about it. Are you going to do a spark um, review on that? What I yeah, I probably will write it out because, uh, you know, really, is, is at this point, I'm thinking it's probably the best laptop I've ever had. It really is amazing. My only problem is the size of the screen, which is why if, if I do replace my MacBook Pro, I'm going to go with another 15-inch. I think the 17 is just a little bit too much for what I need, but the 13-inch yeah. is just a little bit too little for what I need. The 15-inch, for me, is just the sweet spot. I like the size. So, yeah. you know, the 15-inch the, the is just what I kind of need. Yeah, and for people that uh, that don't want to spend quite that much, uh, Apple has lots of the 15-inch, you know, previous generation uh, MacBook Pros that are, I mean, just amazingly priced. Yeah, the refurb. Oh, we lost David. Oh, no. 3, 3G Network bites him in the dust again. So much for a long battery life. Generation machine. He's <laughs> inbuilt batteries, so just bear that in mind. Uh, we'll bear it in mind that we didn't hear anything you just said. (laughs) 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 If I had to guess, I would say that the the old, the older machines don't have the extraordinary battery life of the new ones. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine how I could guess that. Has anyone, has anyone announced, uh, batteries for the previous gens using the same type of technology? No. No. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to because, number one, it's the size of the new batteries are just huge. Oh, yeah, in, they're, in they're, the new ones. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're very dense as well. The way they're, they're laid, they're kind of built up to use all the space and um, they're, not, they're not round batteries, traditional cells. They're kind of custom cells. So I don't know whether anybody will have access to that sort of technology. What I have seen is there is there's a company called Hypermac that has a... Um, external battery packs for the uh, for the MacBook Pros with the uh, with the uh, MagSafe connector on and those look pretty good. Yeah, I've seen those. Or seen them advertised. Yeah, so a couple hundred dollars and you can virtually double the battery life of your uh, of, of pretty much any machine in the range including the MacBook Air. So that that's that's not too bad a deal. Well, one good thing about those as compared to just having a second battery is that you don't have to shut your machine down and you know to swap out the batteries. You basically just plug that right in. Yeah, and, and they also act as a as obviously as a maze charger as well. So you don't need to bring your separate power pack with with you. You just bring that and a and a cable, uh, and you can charge the charge the whole lot in one go. And with that, I think we're going to wrap up uh, show number two hundred and forty eight. Hopefully next week we will have Lee Gibbons on the show. It's been a long time since he's been on the MyMac podcast. I'm looking forward to chatting with him again, finding out what's going on with the AOL Mac division because that's where he works. And I know they came out with a, a new AIM client for the iPhone as well as a beta uh, AIM client for the Mac. And, you know. Oh, uh, I didn't know they had a beta for the Mac. Yeah, brand new one. Um, I haven't downloaded it. I don't know much about it. I've been kind of busy. And uh, I'm still I'm very curious on, on what it is, and I'm sure he will fill us in. Um, next week we're also going to be talking about what we've been using our iPhones for, maybe some apps that we've been using on Macintosh itself. I've got a really cool application called Radio Gaga that I'm going to talk about. So tune in next week right here at the MyMac.com podcast. 
if you don't mind, do a quick review of our show up in iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And send us feedback to feedback at MyMac.com. And once again, we'd love to have you on the show. Listener invite. Uh, we're booking now for October, so get a hold of me as soon as possible. Feedback at MyMac.com. So for David and Guy, I'm Tim, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for downloading and listening to the MyMac.com podcast. 